0: This is The Ed Milet Show. Welcome back to Max Out, everybody. I mean, I'm really excited today. Uh, My guest is a man that I've been fascinated with for a couple decades. Uh, Not only has he had tremendous business success, but he's this guy, when I watch him on TV, he jumps out of the screen. Uh, his charisma, his intellect. I find him one of the smartest people, by the way, in all of television for more than a decade now. The Big Idea was like my favorite show for a long time. And so I can't wait to share him with all of you today and pick his brain, particularly as it comes to marketing and business. So Donnie Deutsch, welcome to the show. Hey, what a pleasure to
1: be here. My privilege. Thanks for having
0: me. Um, I'm really excited about this too. So I, I'm going to go all over the place with you. I'm going to interrupt you. You interrupt me. Uh, first thing i want to ask you and i meant what i said is i i find you so compelling i'll watch you on some of these panels there'll be three people on the screen right. and i'm not just you just jump out i don't see the other two people <laughs> and i think i think it's the way you articulate your point obviously you're a good looking man but i mean i think it's i think it's you're handsome well thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you we should we should start every show this way i should just start fawning all over you tell me how good looking i am and i'll reciprocate but i'm curious what do you no longer believe about marketing or business that you were completely sure about 20 years ago? Has something completely changed for you? Wow, that's interesting. Yeah,
1: uh, I didn't understand. Look, 20 years ago, social media—this, what we're doing here—didn't exist. You know. Right, right. So you know, I grew up. I, I'm going to dating myself. You know, where media was traditional, media was was just media. There was no such thing other than traditional. It was television and radio and print and outdoor and direct response. So, you know, I don't think any of us could have imagined just the, the power in our in what we would carry with us and how that would dictate how advertising today is really so driven, what goes on on that smartphone and the images we see there versus any place else. So I, I couldn't have imagined that.
0: Do you think it's relevant still, traditional advertising, I mean, TV, print advertising, compared to – you know, I get asked, hey, will you put something out on your Instagram story for blah, blah, blah fee? And supposedly that's going to have a more specific and pointed reach than than a, than a, a TV but, but or radio ad. Let's
1: think about eyeballs and passion. Now, particularly if you're young, if you're somebody, you know, I have three daughters. My two youngest ones are uh, uh, 13 and 16. I, they TV doesn't exist to them, you know. So, I mean, so obviously the younger you are. But if I say to you, okay, I can spend money on a 30-second commercial on television reach a couple million people, it costs a you phenomenal know, of X, versus I can reach a half a million or a million or two million people of a passion audience, of an audience that's followed. There's a reason it's called influencers. So so they're not passive eyeballs when they're watching you. You know, they might have a game on in the background, television or a show that they're watching. But if they're following you, they're fo- the, the word following, nobody follows a TV show.
0: Very you true. follow
1: people on social media. You follow influencers. You're influenced by influencers. So, you know, I was having this discussion with, with a buddy, of Steve Madden, the other day, who's a brilliant entrepreneur you know, shoe yep. guy. Yep. And we were talking about it. And I asked, like, why would you ever put another dollar in traditional media again? And he really? Said, well, and he was interested in the discussion. Was, but there's this thing. goes, you know, I take it out to a billboard or something, and you're building brand awareness. I said, "Yeah." you're doing both the other way. So if you're still – if you're getting – enough eyeballs in a a targeted message, something on your Instagram or my Instagram or or his Instagram, you're also building the brand. They're not separate. So it's not not the old days where you do retail sale ads and the national image ads. It's all in the same. So a a Kardashian ad where she's selling a product or using a product in front of 200 million people, that's both selling the product, but it's also building the brand of the product. They're not mutually exclusive. Everything today is a brand. Every business, every company, every every celebrity, every athlete, your brand, Albert, somebody that's got a Facebook page is a brand. Yep. So we kind of lens everything through what's going on in the week, talk to thought leaders, you know, got a lot of great guests on, and I break down the brands of the week. So if anybody and anything is a brand today, and that's the premise of the show, and that's the way we do
0: it. I believe that. And by the way, one of the great things about your show is, and I like about mine, I don't just like the interviewer. I, I like when there's two people that kind of know something about a topic, talk together. That's the difference in if you have a good podcast or an yeah. average one. But Absolutely. in terms of the reach of the brand, it's interesting you say that because I've wanted to expand the brand of this show. And we've been talking about doing more traditional advertising, literally billboard, airport, yeah. to expand the brand to a base that may not even know something like this exists. To me, that might still make traditional advertising relevant because it compared I to still just going the only thing here it's
1: interesting because I have a new podcast so I'm in the business of marketing a podcast yes. also and I think the best way to do it is the world of podcasts is and the, and this world is a little separate from the rest. What they've shown with they've shown that traditional media is not driving the podcast. you're you're better off coming on and doing my show. Yeah and all the things that you do that is like it's, you have a built-in audience of that wants to because so many of the people who are who are not podcast listeners, it's hard to change behavior. You know, my mother's not listening to a podcast. You know what I mean? Most of my friends, you know, I'm 63 years old. I'm older. They're just not going to start listening to podcasts. So, in order to go into the general media space, you're looking, you're, you're talking to so many people that are going to be non-converters. That even if even if they see you and go, "That's a good looking guy." Or, oh, well, yeah, I've heard of him. He's great. Like. They're not, so you, the world is such an expanding world where we are now with social media and yeah. podcasts and that world. I would not, I would, I don't think it's money well spent drifting in introduction.
0: Well, I'm asking the right guy. And I got to tell you, it's funny. I'm getting ready to shoot a pilot for a show. And I was excited. I'm like, wow, I'm going to really expand my brand. And the people that are producing the show said the same thing you just said. They said, actually, it's not going to cross over.
1: <laughs> I said, I was interested when I was working with my, my production company, as cast that does my show. And I said, well, you know, I'm on Morning Joe once or twice a week. Yeah. I'm, on a while, and I'm on TV three times a week. That's going to be a great promotion. So, well, that's great, but it's not going <laughs> it, 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 to
0: convert. That's crazy
1: to me, but it's, that's, that's it's what, what I keep weird, hearing. Thing. It's a weird thing. So, Because our instincts are, we grew like, okay, yeah. now we're going to get bigger. Now we're going to go more mass. But now... There is no more mass, and the mass is more of just wasted eyeballs. You know, it's so- true. And the,
0: and the other part of it is, I've even—I've been doing this for four or five years. By the way, I love what you said. I want to go back just so everyone hears this. Everybody is a brand. Everybody's yeah. an influencer to some extent, and, and I've seen a lot of people do very well who weren't well-known people originally because oh. they create interesting content. But what's really fascinating to me is the other thing is I'm, I, I forget how prevalent this space is and the amount of eyeballs and or ears that leave and listen to the show, because I was also telling the producer, you know, I can't wait, you know, this is going to be big. And she basically said to me, as big as you think this thing could get, there's no way you're going to get a couple million people a week watching like you can hear, right? Like I, I forget this is big now, even though I'm in it because I'm an older guy.
1: This is the big, and the, the non-traditional media has become the traditional media, like what yeah. it is And you know, going back to what you said, that every everybody is a brand, everything is a brand. You know, my thirteen-year-old daughter is a brand because what what is a brand at the end? Brand is a is a value system that we where if you're Nike or you're uh Joe Biden, you send out this is our value system. Hopefully, you like it. So if somebody's making a Facebook page, or making an Instagram page, or making a TikTok. They're deciding on the values, what people want to see them as, what they stand for. Do I want to be seen as somebody intellectual? Do I want to see somebody fashionable? Do I want to be a little more sexy? And so, when my daughter makes a decision that she's going to put on a picture at thirteen in a bathing suit, I said, "No, no, no, that's not part of your brand right now. That's, that's not happening.
0: Okay? You're off brand. That's, I should have been saying that to my daughter. Not, it's inappropriate. <laughs> You're off brand right now. Babe. You
1: know, you may think that's your brand right now, maybe. <laughs> But not, not right now. And so we are all, as I said, the Republican Party is a brand. The, the Fed is a brand. Um, you are a brand. Uh, obviously, business is a brand. You know? So everything, a brand is a value system. So when you set out, when you're putting your show together and you're, you're doing all the stuff you're doing, everything you're doing is as is comes from the value system of who you are, what you're about, what you want to project, how you want to help people, You know your mission statement. And that's everything you're doing. And it's it's, it's come natural to you because you're a branding guy by nature, you're a marketer by nature, but it's really everybody at the end of the day.
0: One of the things I've been talking more and more about because it's made such a huge difference in my life is finding a way to get quiet. And for me, the pathway to doing that has been Headspace. It's really one of the only mindfulness apps that's sort of clinically based in research too, which I really, really like. It can help you go to sleep at night. So when I like to do it, I like to do it in the morning and I like to do it before I go to bed at night. And it can just help reduce your stress, can improve your sleep, boost your focus. I love to do it at the beginning of the day too, after or before my workouts. There's like 25 published studies just on Headspace. There's like 600,000 five-star reviews. Check this out, 60 million downloads. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash mylett, which is M-Y-L-E-T-T. That's headspace.com slash mylett. Free one-month trial, which I didn't even get when I signed up, and you get access to their full library of meditations for every situation. It's the best deal they offer anywhere right now. Headspace.com slash mylett. Do it now. Back to the show. So I have a let's say I have a business. You talk about your 13-year-old, but let's and you also said AOC. Let's just take millennials. I don't even know what the exact age is there, yeah. YX, millennials, like way younger than me, right? Yeah. What do they want in a business that they're either going to be a consumer of or want to go to work for? So if I'm someone here, I'm an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and I'm gonna to market to or hire mainly, let's just call them young people. What are they looking for?
1: Here are the things in no particular order. One thing, and it's been very prevalent in the news lately with major league baseball, you know. Well, of you know, the all-star game and corporations starting to get involved with causes, they want companies with a conscience. So young people, they want companies that have a value system that line up with them. It's very, very, very important. So you have young consumers today that, hey, you know, hey, if you're, you know, you're a company, you're in this area, and you're going to stand behind this situation, or you're going to, uh, um, you know, discriminate against the LGBT community, you know, yeah. we're, we're, you're not getting our money. And we're certainly not coming to work for you. That's number one. Number two, they want companies, and I saw this when I was building my ad agency. We were one of the first kind of like companies with that big open office environment and, you know, mm-hmm. office of the future. They used to come up and do a lot of photo shoots at our office, people in scooters going around. A lot of offices are now like that. Yes. This has gone back 20 years. And they want companies that start with employees' lives that make sense beyond just working at the company. Yeah. You know, that you, whether it's flexible hours, whether it's on, just little things like I can bring my dog to work or whatnot. Yeah. But here's the tricky little secret that the Facebooks and the Twitters and the, all the new age companies and Googles have learned. They seem to be doing what is the most employee friendly thing in the world. They, they set up their offices where there's food all day long and night, where you go into the, I remember I was up at Facebook and you, you go into the bathroom and you have every type of product that they just give you, you know, mouthful, whatever it is. Like, you know, you, know, you never have to leave. Like right? You could and ah, that's the dirty secret. They don't want you to leave. Like, so what seems to be so employee-centric, what they're really, and what they're really trying to do is create an environment where you just, you. they're giving you food, not because they're such nice guys. It seems that people come up, oh my God, I get these, I just walk into this place with dinner, I don't think of any money, and I have this wonderful steak or whatever. It's no, because they realized having somebody stay for those extra two or three hours in the office, yeah, give them what will cost me ten bucks, whatever. The hell it will. So
0: right. that's really you know, So there's an
1: irony here: these incredibly employee-centric companies. One could argue were more what's the word? Uh, more manipulative or yeah. not as consumer-friendly? Because if you're consumer-friendly, you'd be okay with people going home.
0: give them a little bit more time off. It's interesting you say that because I had uh, Mike Kosky on Blake on who did Tom's Shoes right and you know they did a pair and give away a pair that whole yeah and uh i'm convinced i've got a friend right now building a big water company same thing and it's mainly young people that are behind the socially conscious aspect of what they're doing now what what's different them so i've got a business i'm marketing them i completely agree with you and that's great intel two what if i'm marketing more to boomers what do they want that's different than what millennials want
1: Boomers don't get marketed too much because they have their portfolio of brands ready. The reason the young audience, the 18 to 34, 18 you know, I'm not going to see an ad and change my tequila at this point. I'm not, I'm not going to get, you know, if I like Mercedes-Benz at this point, that's what I'm driving. I'm on to my fourth, my fifth or whatnot. Whereas young people are choosing their brand portfolios. So I haven't necessarily committed yet to the insurance company I'm going to use. I haven't necessarily... Uh, really chose yeah i am dr- drank beer but i haven't figured out what my you know clear spirit's going to be and whatnot mm-hmm. or i'm certainly going to the movies and i'm buying fast food and whatnot where guys like at my boomers and i'm peak year boomer 1957 i was born you know yes we're still they're talking to us about financial services and things like that but we're not on a lot of target market lists you know it's just you know and what in our day what was, I think, most important to Boomer? We were very selfish, gent- most self entitled generation there was. So it was always a better life. What's going to be a better life? What's going to go? But you know, it was, go- you know, it was yes. much, money was much more of It's so ironic that there's so much topicality now about young people trading and Robin Hood and, and the yeah. democratization of stock trading mm. where they're really not driven as much by money. I know. They want experience, they want quality of life. Whereas, to young people today, here's a dirty secret. The 18 to 24-year-old socialism is not a bad word. I know. Socialism to us. You couldn't say anything worse than socialism, you know? Yeah. And to them, to a lot of 18, 24s, you know what? I'll take my $70,000 a year job and health insurance and this and that and know I'm safe for life and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, that didn't exist with my contemporaries, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that can be problematic for this country going forward. Because if we have a generation, I know you're smiling because I know you agree with me. Mm-hmm. If we have a generation coming up that's okay with that,
0: we're gonna end up a weaker country. You know you're such I mean. an interesting guy. Like mm-hmm. I thought you thought some of these things, but at the same time I think I had maybe painted this picture that you're a little more maybe a little bit more left than you than No,
1: I'm on MSNBC. So you're in the clubhouse and it kind of gets, you know, but I'm, in a lot of ways, contrarian, you know, when, mm. when I'm on there. Look, I was one guy. on there. I remember getting in a huge fight with Lawrence O'Donnell on the air. because I said, this is during the primaries. If the Democrats run either Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, we'll lose 48 states. Because you can label them a socialist. Now, Great. yes, 18, 24 years like socialists, the rest of to, to everybody else is a verbatim word. Mm-hmm. And that's the beginning of the end. I, you know, once you look, I, you want to be Denmark more afraid. You know, knock yourself out, you know, right. and but that's not what this country's all about. I never mm-hmm. thought it was. I think it was about rugged individualism and guys like you pulling yourselves up from the bootstraps. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what makes us great. That that strive to be better individually. And if we have a strive to be better individually, we'll be better collectively.
0: You know? That's my big thing. I, I grew up in a very liberal home. Really, really liberal. My grandfather's sure. union. My dad. My dad was, my dad's probably left of Bernie Sanders. Very, very liberal home. Really? We yeah. Grew up, yeah. I, well, I grew up in Southern Cal, but we're from Boston originally. So I'm from New England. My dad's like a New England Democrat. Just, you know, good New England Democrat uh, family. Yeah. And, um, but I, I have over time very socially liberal, but I'm very fiscally conservative, which I'll more and more. I mean, is very,
1: 80% of the world is like you and
0: me. I know they are. And there's just, there's not a lot there, but I just, I worry about us losing what you just described in the fight to, progress our society. Yeah, I worry about that. But you've had a big life. You've met a lot of people. Yeah, And um, I'm curious, this just give us tips. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a I'm a my audience is anywhere from 18 years old to 50 years old. Everybody in this audience is just trying to do better in life and be happier and more successful. Sure. sure. What impresses you when you meet somebody. You must have imparted this on to your daughters, I guess. So like what impresses someone like you when you meet them? So that if I wanted to be more impressive, I guess, so to speak, yes. What should I be focused on?
1: Um the first thing I always look at is is I, I wrote a chapter in one of my books about this, the hungry eye theory. I want to I want to see someone who's hungry, you know, mm-hmm. if, who, who's looking to put their thumbprint on something, who wants yeah. to make a difference, who wants to you see it in them. They're like, I, I, I got to do it. I got to do it. You know, I would always hire people. I would never go, Go. oh, let's say I had a Mitsubishi car account. I wouldn't go, grab me the guy who was doing the advertising another agency on Mercedes because he's already done car work. I want the guy that wants to make his bones doing the car ad and hasn't done it before. and mm-hmm. They're hungry and they've been passed over for it. So first thing is hunger. People are not afraid to fail. You know, they just, they want to go, they'll run through walls, they'll keep doing it. <clears throat> and people who are curious, you know, the, the, what I always say to people on in an interview, that, that is such an interesting dynamic power position, beyond the obvious that you need to do your homework and who you're talking to or not, as quickly as you can start interviewing them, like not in a way that is in any way seems arrogant, but that the subtext to the person interviewing is like, oh, this person's trying to see if this job is right for them. They think they're that good. And not an argument, but like, you know, I see that you guys do business where so I think that's really interesting. Tell me why you do it that way and whatnot. So, like, that you you kind of redistributed the power in the interview, and at the same time, somebody's saying this guy's inquisitive and interesting and whatnot instead of just blabbing about himself. Yeah. So, you know, Curious is a, is a big one also. I, I think hum-
0: curious, curious is one of my top ones with my friends, just in general. I interrupted you. Go ahead. What were you going to add to that?
1: No, I'm, I'm – I'm just saying that that you use the energy candidate thing, you know, when you were talking about that's a great insight, by the way. But that's it. Someone who's got that life energy. You see in their eyes, there's a twinkle, there's a there's a there's a there's a passion, there's a drive, there's a you know, because you know, it's at the end of the day, no, there are no geniuses out there. You know, yes, I've met a couple of Bill Gates, you know, there are a few of them out there, but most guys what I've met in business, when I've met the top fifty you know, CEOs or big celebrities or big politicians, you know, they all have the same thing. There are no geniuses out there. Yep. They're hungry. They're driven. They're not afraid to fail. They get up uh, and they have a sense of entitlement. This is the, this is the secret sauce. This is where I want to give to your audience that, and this is what I met with every Uber successful person beyond the toolbox of being hungry and driven and smart. They kind of say, why not me? You know, nobody was going to give you a big podcast. Yeah. Nobody was going to turn you into this big motivational guy. Mm-hmm. Nobody was going to come up to you and go, until you go, no, wait a second. I listen to other people talk. I actually think I have as much if not more to say. I know I was able to inspire that one guy, so maybe I could do it. And you have to have – it's not arrogance. It's just a little bit of a Why not me? So yeah. for that next big thing to happen, if I want to run for mayor, nobody's going to come to me and go – Hey Donnie, you're a great guy. You should for mayor. Instead of, and I say to myself, you know what? I can raise money. I love this city. I'm a great speaker. I know the right people. I can run a business. Why not me? And it doesn't mean it's going to happen. But until you
0: say that, it axiomatically can't happen. God, it's so interesting. It's, it's the timing of that's fascinating to me. All right, so you entrepreneurs that are listening today, if you're still like doing QuickBooks and all that stuff, it's like quicksand. <laughs> For an entrepreneur, the bigger your company grows, the faster you sync with outdated software. So the up-to-date, modern way to do this stuff, I'm just going to tell you straight up, is NetSuite. NetSuite is by Oracle, so it's a huge backed company. It's a scalable solution to run all of your key back office stuff. No matter how big or small your company is, NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, literally everything in one spot, one click. It's not expensive. It's totally worth it. I think you should look into it for sure. Helps you automate your key business processes, close your books in about a fraction of the time. In fact, 93% of the companies surveyed increased visibility and control over their businesses since making the switch from QuickBooks to NetSuite. So right now, NetSuite's offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to graduate from QuickBooks. So head to netsuite.com mylet. There's special financing for you guys there. netsuite.com mylet. And again, it's M-Y-L-E-T-T. Go there now, netsuite.com slash mylet. Let's get back after it. We're recording this now, but tomorrow, it won't be sequential when this comes out, but releasing a interview with Michael Chandler. He's a USC fighter. Sure. Just won a big pay-per-view, good friend of mine. And he had lost, he had a three-year losing streak. He lost like 500 days in a row or some crazy number. I don't know, three, 500, something like that. And I said, what was the difference? He goes, I finally goes, he goes, someone has to win. Why not me? This yeah. exact sentence you just said. He goes, someone's got to win. There's only two of us in there. <laughs> Why not me? Right? Well, finally it finally occurred to him. And I, I think that that is literally, I think that word entitlement's really interesting. I think successful people it's have a good business. word. It's a good
1: word. Not in the best. Sometimes we get entitlement and it gets a bad rap. I don't mean arrogance. And that I got from meeting so many uber successful people and going, yeah, this one," But they're not like, there was no white light around them. You know, there was nothing cup emanating from them that I didn't have.
0: I agree. I think the arrogance part removed is is you're right. I think really successful people have this kind of this interesting line they toe which is tremendous self-confidence with a scotch of humility. And yes. that's the, that's that line that some guys we've talked about previously don't understand. Yeah. And the really successful people I know have that entitlement with humility. Yeah. And I think that is the real bounce the great athletes I know, the great business people,
1: I found the bigger they are, the more humble they are. They, they, they 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 recognize how fortunate they are. They don't have anything to prove, and they also understand a little luck has been in the game.
0: That's correct. You know,
1: there's there's every time I meet the guy that says, "Nah, it's not about luck. No, it's certainly not just about luck. But you need the right breaks. You have to create the breaks. And you, yes, but." you need one or two or three things that chip the foil away at the
0: right time. A hundred percent. Timing matters. I asked you earlier what your thing was that's changed. And for me, I used to think timing was overrated in business. And now I know timing's a huge deal. The breaks are a huge deal. You could be the greatest chef in the world. If you opened your restaurant January last year in New York, your timing was really bad, right? So the breaks, timing, those things actually factor in. I'm going to ask you about meeting all these successful people and you being one. For me, it was interesting whether they were successful or not, especially the ones I've I've got to know over the years. I thought they'd all be happier, meaning I don't mean happier than they were. I just assumed once you get there, almost everyone's happy. And the truth is they're not. And I'm wondering just in general, successful people and just people in general, why do you think more people aren't happy? I think let's talk about successful people. Okay.
1: I think they're self-actualized, but they're not necessarily happy because the very thing that drove it, it's like, by the way, I'm 63. Why am I starting a podcast? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you think about that same thing I mean, a lot, you know, brother. Book people, yeah.
1: i people. You know, it just, it's like, it, it, it just, you know, because it's like, what's next? You know, it's that, yeah. you we know, are you going to go visit your money? You yeah. gonna like just, oh, those grand old days when I did that, you know? Yeah. We all want to feel relevant. We all want to feel vital. And yeah. so the very thing that fed the beast in the first place Continue needs to be fed. You know, I, I wish was a star. I sold my company at a pretty young age, at 43, and I had a great yeah. capital event. I remember people would say, oh, why don't you, don't you want to just go play golf now? Like, what? Yeah. You know what I mean? No, the reason I did, I wanted to challenge myself to try something new. I felt I'd already kind of won the game. I have a chapter in my book called The Multiple Mountain Theory that if you're really lucky and you're 100th of 1% and you made a lot of money and you get self-actualized and you get, you there's a irony, there's a pillow that comes with success because there's no more margin of failure. It's just degrees of success. Very cool. Like if you think about it, if I had just stayed in advertising, mm-hmm. so would we go from 3 billion to 3.2 billion? Would we be up 17% this year versus up nine percent? I wasn't going out of business, like I want, like I want. We were a cool, big ed agency. I was a well-known guy, I was making a lot of money. It was like I, I walk into a three-hour meeting, I knew I was gonna end in 30 seconds. So I one of the reasons I sold my company, I wanted to force myself to feel like I was at the beginning again. In television, I was like that. I wasn't a well-known guy in television. It was, and I kind of regenerated myself. So yeah. I always say to people, if you're fortunate, not just sort of stay straight from your core competence, because as Buffett says, you find one thing you're great at, you, and yeah. you bang it, but try and create new mountains, because that's what keeps the energy
0: going. It's interesting, when I was young, and I wasn't the guy that was successful yet, I used to think, when I get there, that is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lay on the beach, I'm gonna play golf, it's gonna be the, but then the person you have to become the requirement by the time you get there is you no longer think that way. Yeah. And I, I do that sometimes too. I'm talking to you. I'm looking at the Pacific ocean right now, right out here in the backyard. And I do have those days where I'm going now, what am I doing? Why am I?" you, know, you have those days for sure. Right. But then yeah. there's this other part of me. is like, well, what am I going to just sit out there all day and look at water? I mean, like <laughs> what the hell would that be? That's it. You know?
1: so You know, and you, and look, we all need something to be passionate about. I always say to people also don't sell your business. Until you're ready to want to do something else, because you mm-hmm. I don't care what the number you get for it, it's like you can't go visit your money. And to your earlier question of a couple of minutes ago, and this is a comes from a, a wealthy guy. Money doesn't make you happy; it makes you more comfortable and solves problems. So money is good. Money is really, really good, and it, you can throw it at a lot of problems. Or, yep. but it's, as the end game, it's not like you, we know a lot of miserable people who have a lot of money. Yeah. You know, look, if you go home you don't love going home to your spouse or your partner, like yeah. how happy, I don't care how much money
0: you have back, you know? It's 100% too. It's hard when people listen to two rich guys say that when they are yeah, money. let's preface But, it. but, I but, I, but yeah, but I, I will also, and I know you mean this, I, I mean it too. I, I will just say, listen, I uh, recommend it. I was happy, poor, and I'm happy, rich, and happy, rich is way better. All right, people ask me all the time. Most important people in your business is obviously having a world-class personal assistant, and you better have HR nailed down problem is stuff's expensive. So that's where Bambi comes in because an average HR person is like 70,000 bucks a year with Bambi, you can basically get a dedicated HR manager for 99 bucks a month. You get a dedicated HR manager, phone, email, literally real-time chat as well from onboarding to terminations. They customize all your policies to fit your business. It's really cool. They help you manage your employees day to day for 99 bucks a month. And like everybody that I know has switched to, it's like, I don't know what I was doing before month to month, by the way. So it's not a long-term deal, no hidden fees, cancel the thing anytime you want. It's probably worth looking at. So in fact, I know it is. You can't start your business if you don't really have something really good in HR. So let Bambi help you get a free HR audit today. Go to Bambi, which is dot com slash Mylet right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E.com slash let. Bambi.com slash Mylet. Back to the show. So I totally recommend happy rich over happy poor, right. but you're hundred percent right. that it's also a magnifier. Money's a magnifier. I think if you're by and large, a pretty good person, it's gonna magnify that. If you're a little bit of a curmudgeon and take advantage of people, it magnifies that. If you're a giver, it'll magnify it. If you're a worrier, it'll magnify it. There I is. think it's a big time magnifier. Yeah. Um, now, speaking of exiting a business, let's talk about starting one really quick. We got a little yeah. bit more time. Should everyone do it? In other words, is everybody an entrepreneur?
1: I say to people this. If you have the opportunity in your life to do your own thing and not work for other people, you take it. Because it is when you're working for other people, the amount of energy that's spent on managing up and the, because like some, one person controls you or two or three, like not doing the job, but impressing the person who you work for or managing this person and doing that versus like, there's such a liberation when it's just you. And you know, I think we live more than any time. More than any time, the prices of entry are are so much lower. Look, look with the technology today, anybody can start a business. You know, it, it was very different 20, 30 years ago. So I always say, and when you have a business like I'm a baby, it's like if you know, it's like it's this thing and it's an extension of you. And you don't, you work until two in the morning. It's not work because it's you. And it's, so I always say to people, I, I used to challenge people who work for me on an agency, go start your own agency. You know, really? they, I thought they were great. And like, yes, I am loving you working here, but if I'm paying you $100,000 a year, that means you work $400,000 a
0: year. You yeah, think? right. That's called profit. I'm just, I'm just right. using math, you know. Yeah.
1: Um, But no, to anybody out there, go for it, you know, and don't wait to, the other thing also that we got a bill of goods that we got sold a bill of goods on is that, you know, You got to put in your 20 years at a corporation and you got to work. No, you know, because what happens is you get the golden handcuffs and you're all of a sudden you got a mortgage, you got kids, you got a big salary. So I think young is when you take the shot, you know, and
0: so. Boy, do I agree with that. I I keep hearing a lot of these influencers, man, do we agree on a lot, saying, hey, be patient when you're young. And I'm thinking, man, no one said that to Zuckerberg. Right? right. No one said that to Gates. No one said that to Cuban. No one said that to me. No one said that yeah. to you. Like I got after it young when I had energy, when I had time, when I had. And you can,
1: and you, and you have time to fail and risk. Like I can't
0: and come back. To right. do something major now
1: and risk a huge part of what I have or what like, i like, it's not going to happen. I'm in a different life part of my life curve, but when you're young, so even if it doesn't work, go, I always say to somebody, there was, I have a dear friend of mine, who's a, uh, uh, big, uh talent agent person and he was thinking about starting his own thing and i was like you can always have this you, you what you are now a senior partner in one of these firms go after you think it doesn't work you'll get not necessarily this job but a job like this right. you know that? nobody's taking your assets away from you, yeah. if, you if you're it's not you know it's not you know so I, I always say go for it that's me now some people go i want a steady paycheck i need it's too risky i could say it's more risky Having your hands and just one person, your fate in one person's hands, you know, a boss who could just blow you out any one day and you're out of work. So Ooh. I don't know. Is it riskier to be on your own? Not necessarily.
0: Oh, that's very good. That's I not heard that said that way before. That's very good. The only thing y'all need to know are people tell me them, Hey, I don't have a job anymore. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like, Well, I hope you understand you now have six jobs. Yes. Yeah. So the amount of time required, especially in startup phase. Don't underestimate it, everybody. If you're you're getting up late, I, I can't believe how many entrepreneurs I see get up later than they did when they were an employee. It's like it blows my mind that they don't understand the yeah. circumstances they find themselves in now. Yeah. yeah, I hear you. Okay, a couple more things about business in general, because we both agree about this. I hate long meetings. I hate them. Oh my I God. hate them. Oh my. And you speak to that very eloquently. So please school everybody right now that's leading anyone.
1: If you take anything away from this one productive nugget, it's this. What I used to drive me crazy, I used to look at my calendar and there was a meeting schedule, you know, from one to two thirty, you know, for whatever with this team about this room. And I go, who dictated that this is an hour and a half meeting? And I would change every meeting to 15 minutes. I'd say I'd cut every meeting by three quarters of the amount of time because two things happen. Not only do you save all that time. The thinking gets very linear and very forced because at the pace, people have to, it's like molecules. You got to fill up that space. Mm-hmm. And I say, as a company, we have an amazing capacity to meet, cut them by two thirds, cut them by three quarters. You, you will free up your day and they'll actually be more productive.
0: meetings. So good. I have a thing now guys, where I do eight minute meetings. Is this an eight minute problem or 22 minute problem? I want to know that. Like, and I, I got that part of my culture and of my environment. Now you're listening to one of the top minds that I, and everybody, you know, I've had a lot of people on the show. You've all heard billionaires on here. I'm telling you that. When I've listened to this man over the years, I thought this is one of the smart people I've ever listened to on television. And so when he says these things to you, take it to the bank. Last thing I wanna ask you, and thank you for today. It's exceeded my expectations. I knew it would be great. Last thing, so let's, we we can't deny the obvious though. We're talking about business and entrepreneurship and we have just come out of a pandemic and a lot of people are still hurting. So if I'm one of these people that I'm listening to this, I'm inspired, I've got some great tips and insights today. It's probably one of those shows everybody that you'll share with everyone and you're probably going to go back and listen to or watch one more time that'd be my guess but what advice would you have if i'm making a comeback i'm an entrepreneur i got to make a comeback now maybe i'm even an employee and i'm like you know what you're right this time around i think i'm gonna control my own future what advice would you give to somebody who's gonna have to make a comeback now
1: you just actually gave it in that in in your question you formed is that this is i'm almost getting a fresh start you know Mm -hmm. small businesses even if they went under and I know this is so painful, but there were probably certain things that you structurally weren't set up right for and that's why it's, so like everybody gets a fresh start. So in other words, it's like kind of look at it instead of what was me or I lost my job or my business went under, we right now are gonna have wind at our backs for the, for the coming year or two. I mean our business is going to be strong and get in there and also say what are the things people are going to need post pandemic? you know what, what are the things where um, you know it's interesting so anything, you just say we're coming out of a dark cloud. I'm going to be one of the guys that takes advantage of
0: this reboot
1: where the entire country's going through a reboot. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of permission to build and to start and be fresh.
0: Very good. And guys, I want to just add on to what he just said because it's so true. You go back and study where most fortunes were made. They were in economic reboots. They mm-hmm. weren't in the best times. They were in reboot times. You can go look at Amazon. You can look at Netflix. You can look at most of these businesses. Were built during reboots, and this is like the mother of all reboots. I just saw a thing today. GDP is going to be huge. Nineteen million people probably hired the next year. So there's yeah. good stuff happening. Yeah. Today was awesome, man. Thank you for doing yeah. this. And Jerry, thanks for
1: having me. The audience, is, you, you 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 built a great business. Thank you. Uh, and your business is about giving back, which is which is wonderful. And in a little time you spent, I could see how much you enjoy you what you do and the passion you have for your audience What you do. So congratulations to you.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed you. So thank, thank you. you. Donnie Deutsch, everybody. Share it with as many people as you can. God bless you. Max out. This is The Ed Milet Show.